Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie, All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. Hey guys, we're here with the Hollywood Life Podcast. And we are so excited today because we have someone here who we watch every single day in our newsroom, on the TV, and that is... Stephanie Rule from MSNBC Live with Stephanie Rule. Welcome. Thank you so much. I'm psyched to be here. Well, we are psyched to have gotten you to walk down the street from Rockefeller <laughs> Center to our offices and be here with Ali Stagnita, our on-air anchor, and I, and our silent producer, Nick. Hey, Nick. Hey, Nick. <laughs> silent, he can't hey, Nick. say anything. I know. He, he can't. He can't say anything, but we're happy he's here. But listen, we really, we, we love to watch you. You're on at nine in the morning. You're on at one o'clock. And, um, but you also wrote a column that caught our eye. And it was all about how Amy Schumer, who just had a baby boy, she got mom shamed because I guess after about two weeks, she decided to go out for, our, you know, and a couple of hours and do a set at the comedy club here in New York. And then all kinds of women are piling on her and telling her that she had no business leaving her baby. Now, tell us, why did you get so upset about that? I saw that and it just broke me. Uh, I'm a mom of three. I spent the first 15 years of my career in investment banking. And then I left banking and I moved into media about eight years ago. But to watch even how Amy Schumer embraced pregnancy, I mean, Amy put it out there. She did. It was fantastic. I mean, the pictures, all of it. Yeah. And, and since having the baby, I mean, for anyone who's ever breastfed, it's crazy, right? Those are moments when you feel so small, so irrelevant. On Mother's Day, I wrote a column about the mother load. Because women who are truly struggling, or we know about postpartum depression, people who are in crisis... We talk about it and they get a lot of support. Mm -hmm. But parenting in general, especially being a new mom, is demoralizing. It's scary. And sometimes it just feels like shit. Right. And there's no one you can tell that to. Mm -hmm. Right. I remember when my son was first born, being in the hospital. Your oldest son? My oldest. I have How old is he now? He's 12. But I can remember being in the hospital, feeling like I'm not overjoyed, like you think you will be. And this feeling that you may have help from your husband, you may have your mother or your sister, but it's you and that kid forever. And as amazing as it is, it also can feel terrible sometimes. And I think it's important to talk about it. So I wrote it on Mother's Day, and we got this huge feedback of all these women who were just talking about the day-to-day life of being a human taxi or how real-time mm-hmm. parenting is not necessarily joyful, right? I had a stay-at-home mom, and I didn't appreciate or respect her time because I had an unlimited amount. Mm -hmm. And to watch someone like Amy Schumer kind of own it and take photographs of herself in that horrific breastfeeding bra (laughs) and say, this is what life is really like. I thought, I used to hide in a closet when I was pumping because I thought, okay, so my husband had a baby last week just like me. But he looks just as hot as ever. He's going to work out. He's putting on a suit. He's living his life. How on earth is that guy ever going to look at me like a hot ticket 
when I am connected to this milking machine. I know. <laughs> and it, they, I love it that she does this because she it. she's got on her Instagram, for any of you who haven't seen it, on her Instagram, like she's uh, I think two, three times she's she's posted pictures of herself hooked up to the double breast pump, which is the worst. <laughs> it's like a harness. It's it's horrific, and she sort of humanized yes. all of it, right? That what we put ourselves through, right? And just think about what really struck me. She went to work one night. She went to the comedy cellar for one single night. Now I don't know Amy. I don't know why she went. Maybe she went because. It's defeating. When you first have a baby and you can't figure out why they don't sleep, why they don't eat, you know. It's overwhelming it's and overwhelming. it's exhausting. But the one thing she knows she's great at mm-hmm. is comedy. So maybe for one night she wanted to walk into the comedy cellar and get on a stage and literally have a room full of people applauding her and laughing. She could use that great boost. Or maybe for moms out there when we're first on maternity leave, we're totally scared that we're going to lose our business or we're well, going to become irrelevant. And maybe she wanted, I, I wasn't there, but she probably was joking all about all the craziness yes. of having a newborn because it is, as you said, a huge life shift and you don't feel sexy. You do feel like a milking machine. The babies never sleep. No. They're pooping all the time. Like it is the most, it's complete opposite of glamorous. Here we have a very glamorous Ali Stagnita sitting <laughs> here, <laughs> but I'm a mom too. So I completely it's also, identify. It's massively sexist for all those people to say, how could she leave her baby? She has a two week old. Comedy is how she supports her family. Mm-hmm. Comedy is how she makes money. When a husband leaves the next day right. to go off and go to work, we view that as his form of caregiving, providing for his family. She's going to work and provides for her family. The pressure we put on women is just enormous and it's time to say let's just dial it back for a moment and celebrate how complex life is well and also bottom line i mean so what you leave the baby for let's say hour and a half two two hours at the most the baby's fine she right. obviously with this, with this dad yeah and she <laughs> left breast milk because she's been pumping like crazy so the baby's gonna get her breast milk i'm sure she's got a nanny and her husband so the baby is not gonna suffer like it's ridiculous you know, especially when you have a newborn that newborn needs someone to care give but she deserves her free time now do you mean to tell me that for all those people who criticized her out there they don't sit in front of their TV and and watch a marathon of the housewives for four straight hours. I have. They haven't scrolled through Instagram for an hour and a half or Facebook or Twitter. We all have our time that we like to zone out and do whatever it is. Mm-hmm. But suddenly, when it's a mom who puts herself out there, we're judging her. You know this as well as I do. When a mom goes on a business trip, it doesn't matter how old or young her children are. People are always like, great to see you. Who's taking care of the kids? Yes, exactly. No one ever says to a guy, so who's taking care of your children while you're on this work trip? And we're blessed to have these great opportunities. And it's not time to shame or attack anyone, but say, you know what? We're moving towards a phase where co-parenting is important. My husband's not babysitting my children. He's parenting, parenting them. Right. Why do you think women are so hard on other women? Because often it is the women who are doing the mom shaming, not the men. It is. I think in general, when we're going after someone in any way, it's kind of a reflection on our own insecurities. Mm-hmm. It's our own fears. And this is a transition time for women. We have more education and career opportunities than we ever have. 
Gender pay is closer than it's ever been. And slightly. So, slightly. <laughs> Not there and yet. So I think we're in a tough time when we're all trying to figure out exactly where we are. Right? When when we were all little girls or when I was, we dreamt of being princesses. We wanted to be Barbie. That's what we thought about. And we thought we were gonna have a handsome prince yes. still come and get us. But it's still confusing, right? Because we're at work all day where we say, I wanna be the boss and I wanna make the most amount of money. And then when we go for after work drinks, <laughs> we still want that guy to pay and then maybe buy us a ring. So this is a really confusing time. And I'm certainly not saying I know the answer, but I am saying let's have a little grace to figure this out together. Yeah. But I, I'm ahead, wondering, Ellie. I just, I'm wondering if it's like a generational thing. Like I'm wondering who these women who are doing the mom shaming are just because I'm 25. I feel like I grew up in like the Instagram age, but I feel like I grew up, you know, in the past three years with women posting themselves breastfeeding and, and things like that. And I don't think that that's weird. I think seeing a woman breastfeeding in a restaurant, like you're, you're eating, your baby's eating, like that's great. Do you, but do you feel like it's women who are, you know, maybe in the generation above me I, that I are mom shaming? I don't think so. I think it's both. I do think that there are more accepting young women, but I also think that there's a lot of young women who do mom mm. shaming. And I, there's a lot Hollywood, of judgment. Yeah. On Hollywood Life, I remember when Kim Kardashian, I think after she had, not Psalm, but after, okay, not Saint. Saint uh, oh. What's the one? Oh, Chicago. Chicago. After she had Chicago, who a surrogate gave birth to, she and Kanye went out for dinner, I don't know, two Weeks oh, and later. she's not allowed to go out to and dinner? And she got mom shamed for that. And that's not older women. Those are her I fans. I think the big issue with shaming is the anonymity. And that's what's wrong in social media. So what you would say to someone to their face mm. is different from the, from the power we're now giving to trolls. Right? Someone doesn't have to give their name. They don't have to identify themselves. But they can attack you. And I can say all day long, oh, the trolling doesn't bother me. And I'd be lying. Mm -hmm. Definitely hurts me. And whether you're talking media executives who could say, ignore the social media, no one's ignoring it. It's, it gets into your psyche. It gets into your life. And I'm just saying, especially for those platforms, it's time for those platforms to do better. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So I those platforms could say, well, we're not going to allow hate speech. But Bonnie, every day you could post something on Instagram. And every day, a random person could just write, I hate you. You suck. You look like crap. And that isn't, that doesn't constitute hate speech. And you could every day, you know, submit, submit and say, I'm offended. I'm Listen, offended. They wouldn't take down the video of Nancy Pelosi completely doctored. And that's exactly and it. And to me, that is not just hate. It's not really hate speech, but it's complete misinformation. It's misinformation. And those companies are not acknowledging no, that not. they are media companies. Because I promise. Yeah. We're all in, this, in the same business. When, when we lose advertising totally dollars, we're not losing them to another TV network. We're losing them to a social media platform. Yeah. So everyone simply needs to say who they are and what they do. You don't have complete freedom on this podcast to say and do what you want. There are standards and best practices. Just like I can't walk into NBC tomorrow and write some crazy nonsense misinformation piece and publish it. <laughs> despite there, what Donald Trump says. Despite what Donald Trump says. <laughs> there have to be, or I believe there should be, some basic standards of conduct. Mm -hmm. Those social media websites, social media platforms, the reason they're so valuable is because of us. Our content is why the advertisers are there. And they should when do more. When you say our content, you mean media content? Everyone. Okay. Every single user out there. Content creators. Content creators. Content. Um, out there 
are the reason advertising dollars and advertising eyeballs want right, to be there. they want to reach all the other people who are there. So if you think about how teen suicide is up, mm. teen depression, especially around young girls, it's time to just have some better practices. And, yes, all And kinds. like common decency. That's what, you know, like it makes me want to be like, who raised you? But it's like, that's the guidelines that we need like women to get together and create the guidelines, I feel like. Do you know what I mean? Like just... Well, I, I do. I hate to bring it back to Donald Decency. Trump, but I do think that when you have a a president, like the bully yeah. pulpit in chief, being used to bully people, insult, put out misinformation, it's almost impossible for you know somebody to suggest guidelines for right, women or okay. teenagers. Well, the, that that is the problem. You know, we have to have a base in terms of common decency. And the fact that that is lost, you know, every day covering politics, whether it's the president or a number of other characters, the fact that they don't adhere to rules I place on my children. Right. Yes. About your word is your bond. Mm -hmm. If you want to be respected, you have to treat others with respect. And you have to tell the truth. Yes. And you now lie. we look to our leaders. And, and I would say even worse is the cover up. Because everyone on occasion has told a lie. Everyone has screwed up. It's how do you manage? How do you conduct yourself out of that lie? And we're living in a political climate where it's like a lie on top of a lie on top of a smear. What are we supposed to tell our kids? Mm -hmm. You know, as a parent, no matter, it's always my kids cover up. It is never their initial crime. It's this massive, ridiculous weed, cover up right. that makes it terrible. And now who can we point to for our kids? But this is an opportunity for all of us to get engaged and be better. Now, have you personally ever been mom shamed and mom shamed publicly? Sure, sure, of course. What, what are some of, what's um, an example of what's happened to you? I mean, I think, listen, I think there is, um, I mean, I get it all the time. Mm -hmm. I get it all the time. Just it, it can be the slightest if I'm at an event or I'm out late or I'm traveling or, or viewers could see me on the road, it's shouldn't you be home? Where are your children? You know, so I get that all the time. they'll message you. Yeah, they'll message me or they'll post it. But I know that they're just trying to hurt me. Now, the problem is it does get in your head. Mm -hmm. And moms put so much pressure on themselves, right? So working moms put pressure on themselves that every possible thing that goes wrong in their household with their kids or school, they blame it on themselves. Because I'm at work, this happens. And you see this sort of divide between moms who stay at home and moms who work, but... I couldn't be more grateful to those moms who are at my kids' school every day, who are running the PTA, who are running the volunteer organizations. I'm indebted to them. But we have to find a path to work collectively. No one should be defined by whether they work, whether they stay at home, if they're mm -hmm. a mom. If they, And you know what? The moms that stay home, they beat each other. They beat themselves up too. Yes. That because they also don't feel like they're being perfect moms either. No. It's amazing the standards we hold ourselves to. We hear to. from, I'm doing a segment tomorrow on the Today Show about women who are in their 50s who after raising their children want to go back to work and don't have the confidence to. And isn't that amazing? You just did your most important job, 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 job. You ran a household and suddenly you go to write a resume and you don't think you have anything to put on it. You damn right you have something to put on it. And we've got to help those women. I interviewed a woman, a 54-year-old woman who said, you know, I'm at this. I'm, I'm pounding the pavement on my own trying to figure out a job. Yet we say to 22-year-olds, here's a router. Here's a job fair. We're going to show you the path. I don't know about you, 
But I think I'm more capable and more talented as a 43-year-old than I was when I was a 23-year-old. But we have to go to those women and help them make their way back in because financial freedom, to me, is everything. Mm -hmm. Now, when you were growing up, did you have parents that encouraged you from when you were little to think of yourself as having a career, going to college, having a career? Like, what motivated you? What got you going? So I actually, my mom, I grew up in New Jersey, and I have a really strong mom, and uh, I, did, I did have a very strong grandmother. And my mom was a full-time stay-at-home mom. But every single day of my whole life, right? I'm 43, and I have lived <laughs> in Kenya, Guatemala, Costa Rica, Italy. I, every day of my whole life, my mother calls me on the phone or writes me a note, and it says, you're not the fastest, you're not the tallest, you're not the smartest, you're not the prettiest, but no matter what you set your mind to, you can do it. I believe in you. And her whole point is no one like deserves success, but I know you can outwork anyone and get yourself there. And so for me, I can remember being five years old in the car with my mom as she's in a bathrobe and slippers dropping my dad off at the train station. <laughs> mm -hmm. And as much as I loved her and I wanted to be with my family, I thought to myself at the time, look at my dad going off to his second life. And my mom always pushed me in terms of my education and my career because financial freedom is really important. And to everyone who either chooses to stay at home or has to stay at home by necessity, and that's a whole other thing. We don't have affordable child right. care in the United right. States, okay? Right. There are many, many women who would love to go to work, and they simply cannot afford to. But if you make your own money, you can just make a lot more decisions to protect yourself. Exactly. And I do think that that is something that not enough young women, even today, are brought up to understand mm -hmm. that you really have, you cannot count on finding some man to take care of you. You have to be prepared to take care of yourself. And if you have to count on that man to take care of you, then you work for him then he is the head of your household. Then he controls all of the finances because that is how you live. And that's a conversation and also, we don't have. Right. And also, who knows? I mean, you, you're, that man could leave you one day. That man could drop dead one day. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's put all your eggs into that basket is, I think, a very, it's, it's a very scary basket. And I'm not saying it's right or it's wrong, but you have to go into it knowing what you're giving up and the risk that you're taking. And traditionally, men are in the industries that pay more money, right? So there's this idea in society, you've got to see it to be it. Mm -hmm. So when you walk into a scenario and you see people who look and sound like you, you're like, yep, here we are, Hollywood life, filled with smart, aggressive women. I can do this because they do it, right? Mm -hmm. And these are great communicators, great salespeople. What's to say that all of that great talent can't take that talent, right? Every job at the end of the day is basically relationships. What's to say take that talent and go to an industry that simply pays more? Guys have been holding those jobs down, not keeping women out, but we didn't know about them or we weren't attracted to them. And like in, do you mean in the financial field? For sure. In engineering? Right, so my husband and I met our very first day in New York City in investment banking. We're <laughs> in the same exact training program. But when we both walked onto a trading floor, which is like a big, scary football field of dudes, my husband, who went to a fancy prep school, who played lacrosse at Princeton, 
walks onto a trading floor, and I assure you, a trading floor, though there's no correlation between lacrosse and trading, is filled with guys who played college lacrosse. And they're quickly willing to say, let me teach you, let me help you, let me mentor you. And when I walk onto a trading floor in 1998, there's no public school girls from the NJ. And so I've got to find my way. But today in 2019, the more we can help, more people understand, here's what you could do with your life, that's when we'll see a change. And this, though, takes you to this political rift around privilege, right? A lot of people, it's not that they're against others, but they've had it really good for a really long time, right. and they don't want to give that privilege up. Or they feel that if the door opens more, that somehow there won't be enough room for them and the other people, rather than a growing field lifts all the boats. Well, listen, some people there won't be enough room for, but that's okay, because... Just because you're the 13th pick on a team as some guy, you shouldn't automatically get that job. Let's leave more space. So you know what? To give someone else a seat, someone has to lose theirs, but maybe that raises everyone's game that we'll all try a little harder. You know, just uh, talking about women who work and the obstacles, let's also talk about the fact that there, there's really no guarantee for paid maternity leave in this country. There's not. I, I mean, mean, this is a really big issue. I mean, it's a really big issue when you think every other industrialized country has paid maternity leave, and often for several months. Like, here you're lucky if you work for, I was looking up the stats, and something like 40% of companies give some paid maternity leave, but it's not very long. And mm -hmm. that's 40%, which means 60% don't. But I'm going to give you the reverse. Who should be responsible for that? The answer is most likely the government. Because let's pretend I ran a small business and you two were my two employees. And it was a new business and we're struggling to break even. And my two amazing female employees decide to have a baby. Well, I'm thrilled that you're both having a baby. But as a person who runs a three-person company, I can't afford for you to go on maternity leave for 12 or 18 weeks. And so as much as I'm a, and I'm just speaking theoretically, yeah. a woman who supports women, my business would go out of business. So this has to be something that the government takes a much more aggressive role in because, yes, massive companies could easily afford this. But small businesses no, can. True. So we just have to talk about what this looks like. Well, and like. in those other countries, though, I mean, I'm Canadian, like Ali Velchi, who mm -hmm. you do yes. an hour with. Um, they have paid maternity leave. Mm -hmm. The government pays, I think, something like 55 or 60% of your salary. Mm -hmm. So it's these other countries do that. Because they want to keep people in the workforce, right? I mentioned it earlier. We don't have affordable childcare. Like... The one thing that I push back on when we talk so much about the, the need for maternity and paternity leave, you're not done being a parent when that baby is right. 14 weeks old. You got 18 years. And what, oh, think, about when, think about when <laughs> school starts. They have two months off in the summer. They have weeks off here, there, and everywhere. And every time you need to take off because your kid is sick or they have vacation, it gets really complicated. And there's just not very many jobs that are aligned with what a school schedule is. Do you think that, um, I mean, it's not going to change with the current administration. Do you feel that it could change if there was a female president? I don't know if it would change if we had a female president. But the more we have women simply in big jobs, 
we're going to see the world different, mm-hmm. right? And this has nothing. But to you do just with- said it has to be government, so don't they have to be in big jobs in government? Uh, in government, but also in business too. So if you think about the way corporate America or even government was built, it was built with this idea. We'll go with corporate America that the executive, his only role in life is work, is to be successful at work, is to travel at work. And there's an assumption that he has another person in his life, a wife, who runs his home and his family. And so if you look at the biggest jobs out there, they all are so taxing on someone's life. They give that person the tiniest chance to have anything else in their life. Where I think things are changing, you are seeing more and more people start to say, I need to live a more holistic, full life. I can't just work myself into the ground, into a state of misery. And we're seeing from millennials, they're pushing back at corporate America saying, hold on a second. Uh, Being a lawyer is all about billable hours. We know women who got out of law school, more than 50% of law school grads are women, get out of law school, go to the top firms. When you see them when they're 28, they're like, I'm on the partner track. And then you run into them when they're 36. And they're like, so I'm doing a job share because I have a baby and another coworker has a baby. Those women shouldn't have to be in a job share. Maybe we need to look at careers again and say, hold on. It is not a healthy career to work 100 hours a week for anyone. Well, you're talking about like really big changes. Well, no, I think work-life balance is so important though. Like, I mean, no one has work-life balance, right? Any overachievers have never been like, oh, Just created this platform. I'm all set. I'm going to take a vacation. No one does. But we can do tiny things every day in the way that we live and work. Right? Just before when I said, you know, men shouldn't say they're babysitting their kids. They should say they're parenting their kids. And the more senior people in government or business say, I have to leave work for a family commitment, the more people start to communicate and prioritize living a full life they're not going to be and being there for their families and being there for their families Actually saying, I want to be there like men saying, as well as women, I want to be there to see my kids grow up. Yeah. Well, they can do that on Twitter instead of fighting with each other, <laughs> so <they're> insulting, <laughs> insulting each, other. each other. That's what they should be putting on Twitter. Terrible things happen on the do Twitter. Do you think uh, uh, just getting now we, we maybe not having a female president will get us maternity leave, but do you think that we have a shot at getting a, a female president in 2020? I mean, you cover this day I in and day out. I think anything is possible. I think it would be extraordinary. I think it would be wonderful. But something I think we are not sometimes Sometimes we are not realistic because we're afraid to say things that aren't politically correct, right? So let's look at the abortion ban, for example. The three of us could sit here and say it's abhorrent. It's devastating. It's crushing. How could they do this? Well, you know how they could do it? Because it's what the voters in those states want. Those government leaders are elected officials. They're not dictators. And something we should take away from in the 2016 election, every person gets a vote. And I'm not saying that people are right or wrong, but if you don't start to acknowledge that, right? So there were issues about Hillary Clinton that people would try to raise and they couldn't because it was offensive or it was inappropriate when, when, when people said she has a likability issue or she's not energizing people. And people get very angry about that. You can't ever say that. I think, but they did say it. I heard that all the time. And, and there, was big, there was big pushback over it. And so we did see a lot of people weren't energized and didn't vote. Mm-hmm. And then to the reverse of that, 
poor Hillary Clinton had so many people attack her that maybe it was hard for her to be her authentic self. Because I she do, had been in the public yeah. eye for 30 years. Right. I, I felt that there was so much pile on. And I think so much of it was because she was a woman. People said, I mean, I do think people said things that they wouldn't say about a man. They brought up likability. I heard so many women say, I just don't like her mm-hmm. in a way that you don't hear the amazing say thing about is, men. People said, I don't like her, so I can't vote for her. Right. But at the same time, people say, I can't stand the president, who he is as a person, but I'll vote for him anyway. How come you don't give a woman that grace? Exactly. We are still struggling with where to put powerful women. And I think there's a lot of men out there who struggle with it because somehow it impacts their machismo, their bravado, that Mm -hmm. they need to be Tarzan and she needs to be Jane. It doesn't need to be an either or. But I'm just saying the takeaway there. Exactly to your point that people would pile on about her personality. We need to at least acknowledge that this is how many voters conduct themselves. So we have to approach it in a different way. So I'm going to give an example of, I think, someone who's doing it in a different way. Elizabeth Warren, and you could kill me for saying it. We're not going to kill you. For many people, has a likability issue. Yes. Right? Especially for guys, right? And guys might not say it out loud, but they vote with their gut. And women who they're drawn to, I think in many cases, can love a woman like their mother or they can love a woman like they kind of want to sleep with. Absolutely. And Elizabeth Warren, for a lot of those men, right? So I came from finance. So a lot of Wall Street guys don't feel great about Elizabeth Warren. I happen to think she's brilliant. But they could look at Elizabeth Warren and think, oh, she's like my high school principal who, you know, was constantly giving me detention. Which is what I feel like they approached Hillary Clinton with. That she was like a school marm. And Elizabeth Warren, I think, is approaching it in a great way. She's just leading full on with policy. I mean, everything. She's got a plan for that. She's got a plan for this. She's not trying to cuddle up and be your best friend. She's saying, I'm going to be a great leader. And do I think we could see a woman be the next president? I would sure like to. But I know that every single night at 9 o'clock at night on conservative TV, there's a TV host who's looking out at the millions of people who watch him And he's saying, there's a war on men in this country. They're trying to take us down. They're trying to take our jobs. And I don't fault the millions of people who are watching that news. And are they referring, because I'm not, I haven't watched that particular program or that host. Are they, is it women? The war is by women or is it by minorities or immigrants? All of it. All of it. The whole argument is, the whole argument is, it's that snowflake, snowflake left. I mean, if you actually look at the midterms, the, mid, the, the Democrats who flipped seats were centrist Democrats. Yeah. But if you turned on Fox News at 9 o'clock at night, they would have you think that every Democrat who won was an African-American, LGBTQ immigrant. Um, <laughs> right. And, like and, socialist. And, and, yeah, right, socialist, right? This, <laughs> this whole, like, you're a capitalist or you're a socialist is nonsense. Everyone is just trying to live their best life. And I actually think that many people who are angry or forgotten, it's not that they're hateful and it's not that they're racist, but they do feel forgotten. And it's time that we stop forgetting them. So, you, but you feel that how Elizabeth Warren is taking her approach, and I'm not trying to be likable, but I'm trying to solve problems you think that that is something you're that could seeing actually work. her as a sleeper kind of quietly creep yeah. up in the polls because she does have a plan for that. And the president is brilliant at marketing and branding. 
and you sort of watch him with, he, he won with three word slogans. And we watch people on the other side try to counter it yes. in complicated nuance with long explanations. Stop doing that. Mm-hmm. On some level, he speaks to people because he doesn't. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. He, he, he identifies their feeling or their pain. Now, what he hasn't done is resolve any of it for them. So do I think that it'll be a woman or a man? I don't know, but I do hope we have a return to decency. And everyone deserves, right? Everyone wants a good education for their kids. They want to make enough money that they can support their families. Without working about two yeah. jobs, three they jobs. Work, yes, they don't care about politics. Most people don't. But we need to speak to people where they are and care about them. That's why I think it's so great, too, that Elizabeth Warren, and I was not originally a fan of hers at all, like kind of how you said, the likability factor, and and I would put the likability factor on men, too. I'm not just saying that. But over the past few weeks, mm-hmm. I seeing her on shows, seeing her responses, she's very... She sticks with the policy and she sticks with... She has a good sense of humor, too. Yeah, she does. Which she does. has kind of... You're like, oh, wait, that was... Did you see her on Twitter? Yes. So on Twitter, you know, she has so many solutions for problems. <laughs> and a woman said to her, like, wow, like, you got a solution for everything. Maybe you could help me with your love life, and with my love life. And Elizabeth <laughs> Warren was like, DM me. Like, we could probably work we it out. We could work it out. Like, yes. <laughs> like, she's yeah. so good. And, and I, on I the do view. like she's been publishing her pictures of her dog. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, my hair this morning. I mean, it's funny. And that's kind of what... I want politics to get back to. I mean, I'm a GW grad and I was there during the Obama years and it was just like the most magical time being able to talk politics with your counterparts, whether they were Republican or Democrat or anywhere in the middle. And you could just have civilized conversations. And I think that like Elizabeth Warren is getting us back to that area because she's not focusing on the BS that's surrounding all of it. She's well, trust has me, a plan she'll for have that. a knockdown drag out yes. with the president. Yes. And during the Obama administration, Elizabeth Warren was commander-in-chief of going after certain industries. So it's not like she's a friend to everyone. But I just think if we can get to a place that is civil. Civil. It's decent. You know, when when Ronald Reagan was in office, all these members of Congress lived there. They brought their families to Washington. Mm -hmm. So, So you could fight all day long on the Hill. But when you would go home, you'd be at the same cocktail parties and soccer games as the opposing party. And you'd find a way to all kind of be together. Now... They're in D.C. two or three days, and then they fly home, and they don't look each other in the eye. They don't speak to one another. They just spew, they, they just spew hate on Twitter. We've got to get away from that. And that's, that's why got, John McCain, we lost that. Yeah. The last yeah. one was John McCain. But, you know, that, but I think that has a lot of causes, and, I mean, Mitch McConnell's a big part of that, too, because he's made nothing. His whole role has been to obstruct. Um, but uh, I, I want to ask you. He's genius. You can like Mitch McConnell or hate him, but he is a political genius, right? Yeah. 
Well, for I guess, for, is, party, is. for that party, if you don't, if you if you just want to get conservative judges so and, not, that's my point. and not pass any legislation that will actually help people. Yes. And so if you fall into that category, he is your Grand Slam home run. Right. You got two Supreme Court justices, a record number of federal judges. And where that is the scariest judges, mm-hmm. right? they impact every corner of our life. And so I could say, I don't like Mitch McConnell. I don't want to have him over for dinner. He's not on my Christmas card list. He doesn't care. Right. He has he a base and he serves He's doing them. his job. But he doesn't care about making Washington work or about working together. He doesn't want any bipartisanship. Well, he wants it to work for his agenda. Yes, exactly. And he is very successful at making that happen. So if you're Mitch McConnell, why would you want to serve the American people? You want to get yourself reelected and get your agenda through, and he's doing it. Do you think that Elizabeth Warren should have gone back at Trump with and called him Brocahontas? What? <laughs> well, yeah, because he called her Pocahontas, right. and now we know that he was the billion-dollar oh, loser You're right, because he lost a billion dollars. And I'm just wondering, do you think that would be effective? Like, nobody has turned around and returned the fire at Trump for all those insults. I wish I knew, right? I mean, he is so extraordinarily successful at controlling the narrative. Look how he handled, handled Robert Mueller's report, Right. We know this report is 400 pages of a lot of bad stuff. The last line of the report specifically says, and no person sits above the law. And then it cites U.S. versus Nixon. In the first 14 words of the Mueller report, he says, a foreign nation had sweeping and systematic interference in our election. Yet the president has barely spoken about it. The president was willing to speak to Vladimir Putin about Robert (laughs) Mueller, but he was unwilling to speak to Robert Mueller about Vladimir Putin. So we should look at all of this and say, how does President Trump's playbook work? And break it down and figure out what to take from it. Because there is some, I don't want to say the word magic. Maybe it's magic in there that he has great instincts. It's a matter of... Find the instincts that he has and maybe use them for more of a force for good. What this does confuse me too, because he he's yes, very good at marketing and he's very good at getting his message out. But I don't understand why no Democrat, no PR firm that works for Democrats, no marketing firm can do that because this is what people do all day. They have jobs, marketing, promoting. I I think it's a combination of absolute overconfidence and shamelessness, right? The president, there's nothing that shames him. Mm-hmm. And that's extraordinary, right? We all have things that we don't right, want to say that's out loud. Why he, he, that's why he gets his message out because he's willing to lie and be shameless. But that doesn't explain why the opposing parties aren't, can't be great marketers and pull out the first line, the last line in the Mueller report or anything else. I think they're befuddled. their inability. I, I think they're befuddled. Nothing sticks. He doesn't care. Just think for a moment about all of the things that have come out about the president. Right. They would destroy any of us. We, I, I would be so humiliated and shamed, I wouldn't be able to leave the house. And the president is able to take all of it in stride. 
Well, he doesn't, yeah, he doesn't care. He doesn't care, right. So anybody who could say anything about it, I mean, he was caught with a porn star. He, you know, this and that. He lost a billion dollars. Like, took golden showers in Russia. I mean... Jared Kushner was asked by Axios about the president and racism, and Jared was able to say, you know, I knew nothing about birtherism. I I wasn't involved in that. Well, that's not true. The president was making birther claims in 2016. That's when Jared was part of the campaign. Jared said... Of course he's not a racist. You can't be not a racist for 69 years and then become one. Really? Well, during those 69 years, he called for the Central Park Five to be executed. Yes. So, and I'm neither saying it's right or wrong, but this is someone who nothing sticks Mm -hmm. to. So what do you do about it? We know that many people out there voted for the president, not because they liked him or loved him, but because they wanted something different. And it was sort of a, it's so crazy, this just might work. And so if Democrats or independents want those voters, they need to go back to those voters and say, well, did this work for you? Right. Is this what you want? Did you want children being separated from their parents at the border? That was something that you felt very strongly about. It was. uh, It was because I went to the border and, and misinformation is really important because when you're there at a border town, you're not seeing people run across the border. And the idea to separate moms from their children makes no sense, especially when we're spending tens of millions of dollars to build these private prisons. I know. Imagine if you took all that money and sent it to rural America and you gave them faster Wi-Fi. Right. And those contractors are then donating to Trump and the Republicans. John Kelly is now sitting on the board of one of those companies. But someone said to me recently... You're a luxury voter, Stephanie. You can care about those things because you're not missing anything in your life. And I remember one day Tom Cotton, who's a senator from, I'm forgetting which Wait, state. Wait, not Texas. Nope. I want to uh, say Tom Arkansas. Cotton is from Arkansas. Al- Arkansas. Yes. Yeah. Tom Cotton is from Arkansas. And one day he had a tweet that was saying, well, if these asylum seekers would stop just trying to cross the border, why can't they go to a safe place and fill out all the necessary paperwork? And so I tweeted back at him and I was like, give me a break. If they had the ability to go to a safe place and fill it out, uh, you know, on a, with a fountain pen on letterpress, I'm sure they'd do it. They're running for their lives. And Tom Cotton tweeted back at me and he said, like, really? How many immigrants are living in your fancy New York City building? Here's the thing. That was wrong of him. It was rude of him to do that. But he's not 100% wrong in that I don't have to give anything up. I haven't had to give anything up in my life for others. And there are people in America who feel, and it could be right or wrong, that they're struggling. Their basic needs aren't being met. So they feel like, my kids go to a bad school. I don't have good jobs here. Why can't we care about Americans before we care about people on the other side of the border? So if you go to the president's America first tagline, I could think it's offensive. But for lots of people, they're saying America first That's how we run our families. Take care of your family first, and in your excess capacity, take care of others. And so when elites, when people point to me and say elites and criticize us, I hear what they're saying because they say, you can care about these things, Stephanie. All of your basic needs are being met, right? So I think everyone wants the Mm -hmm. same thing. We want to be socially free, financially secure, physically safe. But I guess the the, sort of the brilliance of using racism or anti-immigrant is anti-immigrantism is that it takes the onus off Mm -hmm. Trump fixing 
like the, the real problems that are not providing too low minimum wage, not enough investment in infrastructure, which yes. create jobs, investment in education, like all the things that would actually yes. broadly help people. If you care. Instead, you're pointing a finger and going, they're the problem. And guess what? That's the, that's easiest, so easy. that's yes. the easiest way to live our lives, right? Well, right? politics. But, but, but also yeah. how we lead our personal lives, right? When we get dumped, when we get broken up with, when a girl is bad, you know, all of these things. Like, let me just blame someone else. Mm -hmm. So it's not immigrants who are taking your jobs, right? We have thousands and thousands of open jobs in this country, right? The amount of home health care workers we need, you know, we're not getting those jobs filled. And it's mostly immigrants who fill them. And so it's a cheap and nasty ploy. Right, it's scapegoating. To, to, to say to people who are struggling, Blame it on the immigrants. Right. That's unfair it, to do it's that. Also but what's typical. not wrong is mm -hmm. those people are suffering. So if you want to win an election, go see those people and offer them a solution. Separate from blaming the immigrants. Separate Education, from blaming, which is minimum what wage. Elizabeth Warren is trying to do. In her own way. Yes, she's trying to listen. She's coming I think up every, with these policies that would help them. You've got Democrats across the board saying, I have a better plan. Right. But on just recently, um, the former governor of Colorado, um, John Hickenlooper, said socialism isn't the answer. It might not be the answer, but then you're going to need to offer a column three. It's not the answer, but something else is. And I think that my hope is people aren't so hate filled. We're not that divided. We have to give them a reason and a solution to feel hopeful. Do you feel that with your job, having been an anchor on MSNBC, which has got great ratings, like, what do you feel your role is to your audience? To help people get smarter and better every day and more informed. I think if you're tuning into cable news, you care. You're an engaged person. Um, I think that I'm, I, I'm not tied to any ideologies. I want to live my best life. I think I live my life like a mama bear. I'm like fiercely protective in that I want the world to be cleaner and smarter and better for my kids. And I don't actually care what your political party is if you can help us get there. And I think a lot of people feel that way. But because of the polarization, we keep getting pushed into these corners and social media makes it worse. On social media, social media decides this is who you are and you have to stay in this box, in this bubble, or we will chew you up and spit you out. And like, you know what? Maybe those people who are chewing us up and spitting us out are trolls anyway. Well, they probably are. But do you feel, what responsibility do you feel in terms of presenting truth versus miss, like just lies? A hundred percent. I mean, we all make mistakes. And the first thing you have to do is apologize for them, correct yourself. But fact-checking is absolutely what we have to do. And... The truth is under duress in this country. Maybe you can just say that again for our listeners who, you know, hear a lot about fake news. How much, how hard it is for you at NBC, because I know this, like you guys have to have so much of what you do fact-checked. The so, so this is really important because the president could say there's never been a sitting president who's gotten as much criticism as he has. And the thing is, he's right. But there's also never been a president who's actively told as many lies as he has, right? The Washington Post fact checkers have him clocked at almost 10,000 yes. lies at this point. 
And so every day, I even think of that. But many that's lies. it. So every day, if I walked in and said, "This is a lie," and I'm here to bust it, and I'm here to bust it, sure, the president would feel like I'm attacking him. I'm not attacking him. And it's amazing some of the things he lies about. The economy is strong, for an example, but he pushes it and he exaggerates. And we're going to fact check him. But we also have to be disciplined. There's no reason to go after the president's looks or his ties or all that nonsense. And it, listen, it's easy to do it. And I know that whenever conservative media attacks me or does a segment on me, they're not entirely wrong. On the days whenever they do that, I was a little bit over my skis. And it's usually a Thursday or a Friday because like, <laughs> I'm tired. Maybe I went out the night before. And, you know, I got a little bit lax and lazy. But there is enough content for us to cover every day. And certainly by that number, enough lies that we don't have to push things because, yes, there are politicos who love, who eat, drink, and sleep politics all day, but that's a finite number. There yeah. are millions of people who want the truth and want to live a good life. Are you, How, concerned, sorry, go ahead. Are you concerned at all for that people aren't taking in the news? I mean, mm -hmm. I obviously do. You do. We're in this kind of bubble. How do you ensure that these people who... Trump is reaching, you guys might not be. So I think it's an awesome question. I think it's a really big mistake that Democrats are not going to have a debate on Fox News. They are seeding a false narrative. You know, last week, I'm trying to think when it was. Let me think for a moment. It was, ah, it was last week when Justin Amash, who is the one Michigan Republican who thinks there is grounds for the president yes. to be impeached. Mm -hmm. He did a town hall in his, in his hometown. And after, a reporter was speaking to one of his supporters, who was mostly Republicans, and there was a woman there who said, I only listen to conservative news, and that's what I listen to, I watch, I read. And she said, I'm so surprised by what Justin had to say. I didn't know the Mueller report said anything negative about the president. I thought the president was exonerated. Right, and it was she's amazing. only listening to The him. next day is when Robert Mueller gave his, his public statement. But that, to me, in a nutshell, is 100% why Democrats should go on Fox News. And Pete Buttigieg said it best, you know, when, when and I understood out of frustration, when, when Hillary Clinton had said, you know, a portion of the president's supporters are deplorables, how offensive that was. And Pete Buttigieg said, no, those are hardworking Americans out there who are being fed dis misinformation. And so I think those Democrats should go on those networks, should go to where those people live. If someone is talking bad about you, show up there. Right. Don't give them the narrative to crush you. Get there yourself. I'm yeah. very worried, though, about the integrity of news, especially lots of people get their news from Facebook. So if I wanted to write an insane story of lies on NBCNews.com tomorrow, I couldn't do that. Right. But I could take the same story and create a website called American Moms Who Care. <laughs> and I could post that news story on Facebook from America Moms Who Care. And chances are the next time I go eat dinner with my mother and father, she'll have that story printed. And she'll be saying to me, Stephanie, do you see that there's lead in all the schools? Do you see that the kids are allowing the kids to drink beer and smoke? I mean, we need to bring back standards and practices. And yeah. this is one of the problems with social media. Before social media existed, you had to adhere to the standards of your organization, your TV network, your newspaper. Right, you still but do. But now personalities have become bigger than their networks and they let it rip on social media and then everything starts to get out of whack. 
Yeah. And then you have the Russians chiming in and you've got well, probably going to have the Chinese, the Ukrainians, everybody else joining. I in just too. even think about journalism school. Like we went to journalism. I mean, at least I don't know. I don't know your education. I know you went to Lehigh, but you know, I went to journalism school. I had journalism theory and practice. I read Habermas. I learned that, you know, journalists are the watchdog of the government. They are the fourth branch. And like seeing that go out of whack and seeing people go on, you know, these shows to talk like they know the, you know, it is so frustrating and it is, it's the integrity of the news and people thinking that they're journalists on Twitter when they're not. So we have to do something that me included has to do a better job at getting more disciplined. Me too. What we about, do. We let, yeah. we all love to sit back and let it rip like we're at a party, but yeah. we're not. Now, just um, circling back on the mom situation, how's Katie Turr doing? She had a baby. <laughs> baby and, Teddy. He's and, perfect, and I want to keep him. And do you know, like, how long is she going to be away on maternity leave? She's taking her full maternity, I believe, so we'll see Katie in August. I saw her very recently because she was back in the studio, the L.A. Times uh, just did a piece on the women of MSNBC, so we couldn't do it and then Casey, without my homegirl Katie. Right, and Katie Casey and I did Hunt the royal wedding. about to have a baby. Casey Hunt is about to have a baby, and Katie and I did the royal wedding together last year. Yes, I remember. So with your right hats. around when um, Meghan and Harry were having the baby, it was sort of their one year anniversary. So um, it was just beautiful for Katie. And remember, I mean, Katie spent a year and a half on the road with the president. I know. Yeah. And so I think it's great for her to have this time. And everyone is thrilled for Casey Hunt. Um, and I hope they take all the time they need. And trust me, when they're gone, while they're gone, we miss them. Can you just give us a, uh, some advice for other young women who are looking to bat? I'm not going to say balance because I agree with you. It's impossible to balance. But uh, just tips on how you can make it work. You've got three kids. You've got this huge career. You have to travel. How do they make it work? How do you make it work? Great question. I'm listening. <laughs> I think it's say no more. Say no to things that don't count. So we love to be loved and to be included and to be part of things. But I think you have to apply discipline and start to say, everything that I do, I want it to be something of impact. Now, that doesn't mean you don't have to do crappy things at work sometimes and things are a grind, but you don't have to say yes to every meeting. You don't have to say yes to every volunteer organization. Only say yes to things when you know you are making a difference. So for me in my kids' lives, I my involvement in their schools, for example, I only do things that my kids are a part of. I don't do anything that are just with moms. I'm not part of the auction committee. I don't... That's just not my lane. If I'm going to do something at school, I'm going to be in my kids' classroom and I can see them and touch them and be part of it. So your oldest is 12 and then how? And then 10 and then 6. And the thing is, it's always a juggle. But I really think, and again, I know this sound, this is advice. I don't, we all want to be our best self. And when I was younger in my career, I had much sharper elbows. I was much more, not that I was more competitive yeah, I was nasty competitive. I was in not, the news business or in the uh, in, in banking. But I think I would have been the same if I was in news. My elbows were sharp. I thought there's only room for one, and it's going to be me. And I realized what a terrible existence that is. Even if you're winning, winning alone sucks, and it really sucks when you lose alone. And if you create a positive environment around you, people want to work with you. And for you. And then you mentioned earlier, all boats do rise together. 
-hmm. So you know what? Leave a little bit on the table. Give a little bit more to people around you. And then when you need help because you have something at home, people are going to help you. You have to be on the air at 9 a.m. What time do you get into work? About 6.30. My morning meeting is at 6, and I do that from home because I need to see my kids. And Listen, everybody has the way their own lives work. And for me, I am the person writing thank you notes and wrapping gifts and I, I, my kids wear uniforms, but I do want to make sure. Not that my husband couldn't, but he travels too. Um, so 6 a.m., you're off. on the phone doing the meeting. 6 yes. a.m., and then what time do you actually have to get into the office? I'm there by 6.30, 6.45. Wow. Jesus, how do you she do that? How do you do that? Do well, you live I, I live in New York. <laughs> I, I live in New York, and I, I know that's a sacrifice too. Like, New York's great, but for at least one of my kids, my oldest son, um, he wasn't meant to live in New York. He shouldn't mm-hmm. live here. He's, he should live somewhere else. And we choose to live here because I have a job that I need to get to quickly. I have to go back on air sometimes at night. And for our family to live 10 minutes away from home, it's great. It's just there are some sacrifices. So for us, the more time we can spend together as a family. So we always eat dinner together on Mondays. We always eat dinner together on Fridays. And then Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday is a crapshoot. We try, either my husband or I are home every night because it's not about having a newborn baby. I actually think it gets more complicated the older your kids get. Yes, I agree. That's when they're having moral dilemmas. And homework. Homework, which is so hard for me. Yeah. (laughs) It's so hard. I know. I've read so, I've edited so many essays. (laughs) Oh my God. Homework is so hard for me. And I think that if you don't see your kids until seven or eight o'clock at night and you say, how was school today? They're like, fine. But whatever they faced that day that was horrible, and school's horrible when you're in middle school. Like, for all of us, right? Like, being in the seventh grade sucks. And I want to see my kids' faces. You know, we do, and I know lots of families do, but at dinner we do this thing, roses and thorns, Mm. and you have to say the best part of your day and the worst part of your day. And the reason it matters is because that's how you can pull your All of us, it, like, equalizes all of us that suddenly instead of how is your day, fine, because by the time you see your spouse or your kids and Do you love anime, gaming, movies, and discovering how your favorite pop culture affects everything you do? Then join us on Crunchyroll Presents The Anime Effect. I'm Nick Friedman. I'm Lee Alec Murray. And I'm Leah President. Every week you can listen in while we break down the latest pop culture news and dish on what new releases we can't get enough of. Whether you love movies, I'm going to tell you all about the uh, hopeful 4K re-release of Tron Legacy that happens. (laughs) (laughs) I'm right there with you. Or music. The music in this show is absolutely incredible. Or anime. And under this mask is another mask. (laughs) (laughs) You can discover your new favorites right here on The Anime Effect. Listen every Friday, wherever you get your podcast, and watch full video episodes on Crunchyroll or on the Crunchyroll YouTube channel. Hours have passed. You don't feel like telling them anymore. But when you have to answer the question at the table, suddenly it's, well, this crappy thing happened at lunch and I failed a test. And that's when I'm saying, well, you know what? Things are totally unfair at work and I'm depressed about it. And I think it's okay to say those things and for everyone yes. to be flawed, but kind of be on the same page. Totally. 
Well, listen, thank you so much for coming and seeing us here at Hollywood Life and sharing all your advice and your insights. And uh, everybody tune in to MSNBC Live with Stephanie Rule at um, 9 a.m. And Velshi and Rule at 1. So you got, you know, two sides for you, wherever you want. If you're a morning person, you're an afternoon person, sometimes you're on in the evening. You never know. And then (laughs) everyone needs to be informed and prepare for 2020. So you can be informed by watching Stephanie. Okay, bye. Come back and see us again. Bye. Bye.